Welcome to Therapists Are People. Wait, therapists are people? A group of therapists discuss mental health, answer questions, and interview other humans. All right. I did it right for once. Good job, Kyle. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, everything is recording. Cool. Finally, starting, the week, starting a week off on a good note is a change of pace for me. <laughs> why, why do your Mondays not usually start well? No. I, in fact, most days don't start well, just generally speaking. <laughs> I don't know whether to be sad or like sympathetic or... Both. Yeah, both of those would be fine. Okay. <laughs> my brain more went to like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. It usually means my kids are crazy. That's usually what it means. That would make sense. Just trying to get a tiny human to do something they don't want to do. It's not an easy task. <laughs> And then they inherently just don't want to do what you want them to do. Are we talking about me? I'm a tiny human who has a hard time doing (laughs) I always call you the tiny human. (laughs) Like, oh, you're talking about Brittany. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, I have this image of, like, my children with a parking boot on. Like, they're they're just not going anywhere. They're stubbornly resisting everything that uh, we need to do at the beginning of the day. And uh, eventually, somehow, I end up in front of this computer on on Monday mornings. But it's a little bit of a miracle every time. Well, you look really peaceful in your space, Pat. It works out. Like, Mm. I never feel like your space is chaotic, even though it might be. Oh man, usually just like just off screen. <laughs> There's chaos everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, um, I appreciate that that's what comes through. Yeah, I don't try too hard with my Zoom space. And I, I um, appreciate working with the clients that I work with because everybody just keeps it so real. Like very few people have a, a staged background or anything that looks like they put any effort into trying to make it look good for Zoom. It's like, here's this is my room. This is what it looks like when we happen to be on the Zoom call. I just, I appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Like every, every so often I have this urge to like somehow clean up or stage or like make it look more professional. And then I'm like, nah, you know what? I just need people to know that I'm doing the best I can right now. And this is the exact setup it was back in March when things got set up and it is what it is. Um, so I'm kind of feeling pushed and pulled, actively resisting this urge to make things look better than they are mm-hmm. well what do we what do you say gang should we get started let's do it yeah. all right so welcome to therapists or people uh today we're talking about endings we're talking about transitions we're talking about the fact that i don't want to transition my uh, my space here to work in mm-hmm. uh to make it look better uh we're just we're so aware that there's a lot of um ways that folks are trying to manage different transitions right now, whether it's around the holidays, uh, for folks who are campus affiliated, it's transitions around the end of the year and the end of the semester. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're gonna talk about endings in therapy. We're gonna talk about endings in relationships. Uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it won't be an hour and a half long conversation when we do that. But yeah. Should we talk about those transitions around the winter break? I can't I can't help but kind of think about that first. It's only a few weeks away from when we're recording this, and probably when the episode's coming out, it's probably going to be right on top of us. And so I feel like the endings around the end of the semester and then the end of the year, not far after that, are just kind of on the on the cusp at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Big break. Oh, I just noting that, yep, this is coming. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I remember in undergrad feeling like, oh my gosh, this is the final push. You know, coming back from um, fall break and having so much to do and just like, all right, I know I'm not. I basically just accepted in my head, I know <laughs> I'm not going to have a life for the next two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. I'm just going to put my head down and grind it out. And then I'll be able to poke my head back up after I walk out of my last final. And I just accepted that. That was almost like my self care was okay. This is going to suck. And that's okay. Cause I chose this and then just letting myself go into that mode and then having the break be the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I feel like I've so sorry. Go ahead, Kristen. I just, I remember doing that same thing and, um, you know, just prioritizing like one day before the next. And then without fail, I'd always like come down with a cold or something right after. Oh, yes. You know, I think that like yeah. body just trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unlike spring semester, when you're like in your last push, you know, there's so many other outside requirements and things that are you're building up for like don't forget to get those holiday gifts or everybody or if you're a card sender don't forget to like figure out how you're gonna send your cards you know and that I think made the transition into the winter sometimes more stressful is even though you have something so exciting at the end of it typically not typically for a lot of people um it still has a lot of pressure to it that you're trying to manage as well as getting done what has to be done for school. At least that was always stressful for me. is like the outside world and school world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Conflict between those two. And like with one desire for time to speed up and with our other desire for time to slow down. Right? That's really well said. Great. I feel like I've been in training for this like my whole life. Like the idea that at this time of year, thinking of it as like this final push, like the last leg of the race. Um, you know, as, a, as even as a kid, like you're thinking about that leading up to the breaks in college, you do that in grad school. And I feel still tied to that academic calendar as a professional now. It's always been kind of a product of my world. I, I was thinking the other day, if I was just in some other uh, field, some other job, would I still feel this same kind of like, end of the year push thing or it would just feel like regular work but being tied to an academic calendar in some way just creates this like this kind of pressure around this time of year that I I don't know that everybody experiences but I I certainly do and it's just become synonymous with this time of year for me yeah I totally agree uh, there were you know a a number of years I didn't work in academia and you know basically what you it, it played out how you described um is work 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 and then maybe like a couple days off for the holidays and then right back to work sometimes things might slow down a little bit but it really wasn't i don't know it just, it, there wasn't much different about it it was just the same work only it was dark and cold and snowy that transition wasn't there it was maintaining mm-hmm. which is that was something i can appreciate greatly about this is like you can kind of see the light at that end of the tunnel for the transition. Things slow down a little bit and kind of almost as we're transitioning, knowing that we're going to start over again and looking forward to that as well. Sometimes it, I feel like it might stress me out more in the sense that 
all the time I'm gearing up, gearing up, gearing up, go through the up and then go down, go down, go down. Rather than finding like a consistent pace at which to mm -hmm. operate, it's always like a roller coaster. And I wonder if it is possible to have, you know, more routine kind of in the rhythm of it all or what that yeah, would be like. Myself. Yeah, I find myself kind of craving that from time to time, just this, the evenness of that as opposed to giant buildup and pressure and then release with a little bit more of a break. I, I don't know that I love that, but it's just been part for the course for so long. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I've worked on a an academic kind of calendar in most of my career so far. Mm -hmm. I think there's upsides to both. And just yeah. in my experience, it's it's nice to have, to be able to get into your routine, but I think routine can also get old after a while, and it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of nice. I do like the ebb and flow of the academic calendar. Um, it's nice that summers are more chill and that, you know, the long winter break is more chill. I appreciate that. Whereas, you know, when I was working in the community, it was just the same all the time. It's nice. I think it's nice, even though it's more stressful. I think the stressful times help me appreciate the the slower times a lot more. Um, what are, what will you all do? Like, I know you all are slammed. Um, I know that we all are, uh, we love our work and, and also we are super, super busy. Um, just like everybody else on campus. What will you all do over winter break to actually decompress? That's also my challenge to you to actually decompress over winter break and not just keep trying to burn the candle at both ends. I felt that challenge, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I had a sinking like, oh shit moment. Yeah. I dare you, Kristen. I dare you to decompress a little bit over winter break. At least for me, it's it's about spending a lot more time um, with my family. I, just over this past week, we're recording this right after fall break. And so over this past week, I took a bunch more time than I typically do and pretty much just spent it with my with my partner and my kids and that felt so rejuvenating. So I'm hoping to carbon copy that in, in winter break and, and basically just uh, do more of the same because I, I guess I didn't realize how much I needed it, but it was really, really uh, rejuvenating for me. It's a little harder right now to create that break space, I guess. Um, you know, it, it feels like uh, in the past, um, I would maybe take off a couple hours in an afternoon. Um, but right now, you know, work and work life and home life are a little more fluid than they were in the past. So I think taking off more time um, in order to have that rest feels like necessary in a way that I haven't experienced it before. Being mindful of actually taking that time, that if you're off, you're not checking email, you're not opening your computer, you're not doing any of that. I think with work, home life being so fluid, it's easy that even though you have the time away, to maybe just hop on, I'm just going to check my emails, I'm just going to do XYZ. And that's one thing I appreciated, I, I emailed Pat last week, and he did not email me back until this morning. And if he had emailed me back, I was, I was going to send him an email. Um, I actually thought about it because I knew he was uh, taking some vacation time. And so, like, I appreciated that because that's a harder thing to do now that our, our work home life is so intermingled. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've not been a professional that long, but I've had <laughs> enough time to develop some really bad habits. And I'm just now coming to break those of being like, when I take time off, I'm actually going to take time off, which means I figured out that I have to turn off the notification on my phone that tells me I have an email because mm. otherwise I would have come to my computer, responded to Heidi and sent her the audio from our last episode. So I, I just I know I would have. But now I'm becoming better at uh, figuring out the hacks for myself mm-hmm. that I won't actually step into uh, work mode when my intention originally was not to. So that's just like. I'm just coming to that, and it's a little bit awkward to admit that, but it just is the truth. I'm, I'm a work in progress massively uh, in this area. Yeah, I think we're all, you know, trying to figure out a new way of self-care, given that all of work and home are so much more intermingled, like Kristen was saying. Like, yeah. it was... Before, you know, we didn't have our calendars really accessible when we weren't at work. So I couldn't see all the clients I had coming that day. So if I needed the day off, I would just call out and be like, okay, well, whoever it is, we'll figure it out. Like, that's okay. But now it's like, oh, I I need some time off. Can I do this? Well, what would it be like to go in and out of work and home all day, right? And that has been quite challenging, I think, for me in some levels. And I've also, I think, getting better at it each each week that it happens I'm like okay well let me see what can I actually do here to self-care a little bit more and realizing that this the holes of that look different than they used to or the the issues around it um but winter break for me is going to probably look a little bit different in the sense that I'm probably going to be working through it because my break will come after that when I'm transitioning out of this job um I know that I am planning the month of January for a lot of rest and relaxation before I start gearing up for my next project. Um, But, you know, the winter season is probably going to stay pretty consistently busy for me. I feel like you're touching on something that's really important there, Brittany, is the sort of preparation for knowing when the busy part is coming and when the, the rest is coming. And being able to anticipate that we can't always of course but when you can anticipate it it can help it feel more predictable uh, more reliable so knowing that that period of busyness is right ahead of you and is followed then by rejuvenation and, and recovery uh, is really important yeah absolutely and yes oh go ahead kristen I'm like, I want to acknowledge what you just shared. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm also thinking about how that planfulness uh, lets us plan some time and space to grieve, which Brittany, I'm like feeling that. Um, So excited for you. And also, you know, planning to have a little period where we're really, really, really sad. Um, (laughs) Excited for you and, and sad. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, there's such a, a loss as uh, having you as a colleague uh, at the counseling service here, and of course, like having you as a member of this team too. It's been really fun to be creative and playful and uh, collaborative in this. You bring such a uh, like a wisdom to this medium too, which. I know is reflected in your individual therapy work as well and your group therapy work. So I think it's just cool that you've gotten to share that a little bit more widely uh, in this kind of format because 
I think the people who you've gotten to work with, it's such a treat mm-hmm. that, that they've gotten to experience that kind of uh, wisdom and balance and self-compassion. Oh, thanks, guys. Making yeah. me blush. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I think Brittany's such an old soul. And mm-hmm. I just feel so fortunate that we even got to have you on staff at all. I was so, oh. so happy that you wanted to work here and that we got to have you. Um, I think, like, I have so much respect for the way you use your voice, for the way that you stand up and, and say say what needs to be said and, and um, advocate for what's right. I just think it's freaking awesome. It's neat. And, like, you're a, you're a role model for me in that way. Aww. So your presence here will be missed. Like I also ha- have to remind myself, like you're still going to exist after, after you <laughs> stop working here. So you know, hopefully so our exist. paths continue to cross. Um, yeah, but you've definitely made an impact in your time here. I really appreciate that. I've really enjoyed all of you as humans and been able to grow as a clinician through working with you all and learning from your own skills and variations. I mean, like I. I hadn't had much exposure to working directly with people who were um, social workers before, and it was great to hear how you operate slightly different than a psychologist, but also like in such an important and useful way in your skills around connecting to resources and considering the culture and community in the work that you're doing rather than the strict focus on the individual like psychology sometimes does or I sometimes do in psychology was really helpful, and I I feel very grateful for the time that I've been able to work with you all and to be able to be a part of this podcast. What a fun project to do for a little while here. And I'm excited to be a listener of it um, and not feel nervous listening because I'm going to hear my voice and all the things that randomly do come out of it. Because as much as sometimes I do use it for good, there's a lot of ramble and nonsense that comes out of my mouth too. (laughs) And people who work with me also know this. Brittany, do you want to quickly mention what that next, you kind of like alluded to it. There's a next project. What, yeah. what is that thing that you're going to go do? Yeah. So um, since I started grad school, I've been interested in working with trauma specifically, and I have decided to go venture out and create a trauma healing center. Um, and this will be probably a nonprofit. I'm still looking at nonprofit versus business models. But it's going to be a virtual space that creates a trauma healing community, offers resources in terms of therapy and alternative treatments to survivors of diverse types of trauma, and really just works to help create um, more trauma-informed clinicians and a referral-based service for survivors of exploitation um, specifically. So there's going to be offering therapy, there's going to be community stuff going on, there's going to be training stuff going on, and... um, I hope it's a relatively fluid project that will keep evolving as society demands and needs change in diversity. So I'm really excited about it. I like that it's not totally defined yet, that I'll have a few months to prep, figure it out, and put it together and have a little bit of rest in there too somewhat. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's so exciting, Brittany. Thanks. I feel really lucky that I have the opportunity to try to create this in my life. I know that my ability to step out of work and to start putting my energy towards this does come from the privileges that I've had in life. And so I recognize that and I know that it helps me take this step without as much fear as it would for other people. And I I hope to always use whatever privileges I have to help other people. And that's what a trauma healing center is supposed to be, is um, 
community, growing, getting through bad things together. Learning how to care for yourself despite what has happened to you. Or because of what happened to you, learning to care for yourself maybe a little bit deeper. And that's not to say that your trauma wasn't supposed to happen or it's a good thing that it happened. But we take our experiences and we say, okay, this is what I got. Now how do I, how do I survive? How do I keep going and move from surviving to thriving? When you're ready to. Right? We all got to act out for a little while after bad things happen to us. I mean, we're in pain. So, making space for all types of trauma recovery. Yeah, well said. I'm, I'm really excited to see how it takes shape. And keep us updated so we can keep plugging it, too, mm-hmm. and referring folks your way and all of that. I will. Thank you. I have bought a domain name. I need to start creating kind of the website and everything. But um, my domain name wasn't taken. So, if you're interested, look for atraumahealingcenter.com coming in a few months. Whoa. I will. Super official. I know, right? Amazing. <laughs> I love it. I really thought the domain name would be taken. I was very surprised it wasn't. Yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. Brittany, I'm so excited for you. I feel like I, Brittany and I started work on the same day last year, the very same day. And this is something that I've heard Brittany talk about for the last year and her passion for this. And I'm so beyond excited to see like where you take this and yeah like Kyle said keep us updated so that we can refer and just stay engaged with you you're so your voice we want to keep connected with your voice and the dynamic that you bring to this community well thank you and uh if you want to bring me back for any trainings you know I will be doing training so (laughs) trauma-informed compassion-based trainings you know I'm here well, don't be surprised if you get a phone call from us. Yeah, I won't be. Maybe multiple. Probably be multiple <laughs> trainings. I would love it. It'd be a lot of fun to stay connected with you all. Mm. I think this is this is exciting. Just the idea of this is exciting because it's neat to see how energized someone feels when they're moving towards their passion. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know we talk a lot about burnout and like oh it's slogging through and getting through the semester and whatnot, but. Um, I think there's also a, another part that a lot of folks feel like, this is awesome. This is what I'm here for. I want, I'm excited about my classes. This is what I want to be learning. Um, you know, like I certainly am not, you know, I know that we, we talk about our burnout, but I'm not only like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm also like, oh man, my clients are awesome. Oh, I can't wait to meet with this person this afternoon. Oh, like we're working on this neat project. Like there's also really exciting stuff going on. And, um, you know, I wanted to make sure to, to highlight that too. There's a lot of, I gain a lot of energy from my students too, who are really pumped about what they're doing. And yeah, it's really hard, but it's worth it because they're excited about the direction they're moving in. So, um, yeah, I didn't want that to go unsaid. Yeah. Totally. Life's not, oh, go ahead, Brittany. Go ahead. I was just gonna say life's not an either or we don't have to be burned out or, you know, passionate towards something. I think it's a both and, and that's where that ongoing self-care comes into play, too, is making sure that we can have those both and as we're going through our lives and knowing that this is maybe a little bit cliche, but the only thing consistent in life is change. And so I'm making sure we're being mindful of that. I um, 
I love my flow of kind of burnout sometimes in the sense that like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh man, I'm waking up tired again. Like this sucks. I'm not going to be able to do this day. And I have that moment of just like dread about everything that's going to come. And then I take a breath and I like hang out for a minute, you know, and like soak in the morning. And then I'm like, okay, I think I can do like the first steps of the day, right? Like, let's see if I can just get through that first part. And then eventually I'll find my way to the computer and I'll look at the day that I have and see all the awesome people I get to interact with. And I'm like, all right, I can do today. Like, that's not bad. Why was I like dreading it at the beginning of the day? Um, And it makes me laugh when I think about that because I, in the morning, I kind of know I'm going to get to that point where I'm going to enjoy my day at some point. But at that first part of the morning, my brain is like, I don't know if I can do this. And that's that's the exhaustion. That's the burnout talking. And then the part of me that like has the energy and the motivation comes out a little bit later. And then towards the end of the day, it's like, all right, day's done. Like dinner, cleaning, cleaning's definitely thrown out. Like that's never <laughs> going to make the top of the list. You know, we'll we'll deal with the fact that this place is a bit of a mess later. But, um, you know, food, hang out with partner who I really enjoy. Like, all right. I can rest and settle into that and do this whole thing over again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I love how, I love another thing that you just identified is that a lot of times motivation comes after you start. Like a person mm-hmm. has to get going. Like I've definitely felt it like, oh, okay, uh, here we go. Uh, and then do it and then like, oh, okay, here we go. And then I'm into it. I'm excited. And if I would have waited to be motivated, I never would have started. But I had to, I had to, um, force myself to get going and overcome that initial inertia and then I was excited about the directions moving in Mm. well it's it's funny too like as we were talking about the beginning of today a little bit like I just have to motivate myself to get up and out of bed and to work you guys have to motivate little children as well (laughs) and get them to try to do things that their whole body's like I don't want to get out of bed do you see what time it is or like I just want to hang out and play with you and like trying to get yourself to do the motivation and transfer that to somebody is uh, an admirable task every day you guys face. Yeah, my daughter literally said this morning as as she was completely enveloped in her covers, like, Daddy, I don't want to come out of my burrow today. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sweetheart, I wish I could just retreat into a little burrow too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. And, you know, also just like talking about transitions and energy and burnout, like for some people, the academics isn't going to be the burnout, but the holiday season and the family are, Mm -hmm. you know, we know that a lot of clients are going to be going into stressful situations or especially when you get to college and you start to become more of an individual, like less defined by your family. And then you have to go back into that environment, that like tension. And I know that in addition to holidays typically looking different throughout the college years. You have this extra extra weight of the pandemic and like if you go home, like are you going to be able to keep your family safe? Are is your family gonna keep you safe? Like how are you gonna handle probably having to spend more time at home with your family than you usually do? Not seeing the friends that you've been excited and looking forward to seeing. Um, so just recognizing that transitioning from morning to afternoon is tough and transitioning from school to living with family again is even probably harder. Yeah, particularly this year with most folks very likely spending more time at home than they even typically would um, during a a winter break, for example. So um, I think for a lot of folks, there's just the the marathon of the break um, 
it's, it's just another one of those things that folks have to anticipate as we were talking about this morning. And like grieving all the traditions that you might not be able to do this year. Maybe everybody typically gathers into one house and you sing songs or you just have great meals with a lot of different uh, family members in your community, you know, and maybe we're not going to get to do that this year. And maybe that's a grief we're going to all have to kind of process and face so that we can have those events next year. As we know, vaccines are coming out. We're right there. Yeah, I think that's sort of a theme from today, right, is with grief um, also comes the opportunity to focus on what's ahead. You know, there is legitimate loss that comes with, for example, the loss of routines or the loss of traditions that we typically kind of look forward to. But knowing that we can be hopeful about the thing that's ahead, which is a return to some of those traditions, uh, a return to some of those reliable pieces of our lives in the future, um, Hopefully that's something that, that can serve as a sort of a, something that mitigates a little bit of the pain of the, uh, the loss of the grief around things that we typically have come to enjoy. Yeah, you know, we, um, we started talking about like transitions and, and endings and whatnot. And as you're talking about that piece with grief, um, I know another thing we had discussed was um, kind of wrapping things up in therapy as well. Mm-hmm. And that um, that piece of making space for how a person is reacting and feeling and being able to spend some time talking about loss or sadness. Um, I think about it right now with COVID and how if we weren't talking about the things that are different, how much harder it would be like to keep barreling through and acting like, you know, at some point a light will switch and this will change, but not really letting ourselves say like, I'm bummed that I'm not going to do this thing I would typically do with my kids, my partner, my family, whatever. Um, you know, things tend to build when we deny them. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. A, a major theme that comes up in my counseling sessions is how is normalizing the things that my clients are expressing. And then so many folks feel like other people are doing it better and that other people are, are handling it better or aren't as down as them. And, you know, when I explain like, oh, this is a huge trend, like even across the country and, you know, counselors all, everywhere are talking about this and seeing same reaction from or similar reactions from super high functioning people and they're like oh wow that feels really good to hear um so yeah i'm also i we had talked i think a little bit before the show about you know the uh, the title of our podcast is therapists or people and when we were talking about um what it's like for us to be going through the same thing as our clients that's usually not the case but you know we're all we're all going through the pandemic as well and dealing with these messed up schedules and all the ways it affects our lives. What's it, what's it like for you all to, to be going through the same situation in the pandemic? Not, nobody has the same exact situation, but what's it like for you all to be going through the same situation as you're counseling folks through? I think it definitely changes therapy. I mean, like there's no doubt about that. Um, my ability to not 
be impacted as much by what my clients share. For example, if they're talking about something that happened in their history, something that they're looking forward to, I can get excited. I can feel with them in that space. And like, um, it's not about me. It's about them and their life. But when I'm hearing pandemic stuff, it is about me too. In the sense, like if I hear that somebody's choosing not to wear a mask and is taking a lot of risks that I'm part of the community that they're endangering. And it's very rare that I think we feel that sense of violation by our clients. So I think that's become one of the challenging things is like, how do we talk about safety and responsibility during this time and the fact that their actions do impact us without making the therapy about us, right? And not letting my reaction to that drive the therapy or the therapeutic relationship because I I still care about my clients even if they make choices that I don't agree with. But when those choices now directly impact my functioning, well-being, and people I care about, then my, my anger comes out a little bit more. And so for me, it's required a lot more transparency um, with my clients instead of like um, – like holding a reaction and just kind of like breathing through it because it's not that important or it's just me processing what they're going through. I'm not someone who can fake things well, you know, like I, you can hear my tone, you can see in my expression when I'm not happy. So I have to take a lot more ownership of like, you get to make this choice, but I do want to let you know how I feel about that personally and how I feel about that as a clinician. And those two things aren't always the same. Yeah. There's such realness in that, Brittany. I appreciate you naming that. I think the the idea that like your therapist is totally unaffected by you and the choices that you make and you know it's it's accurate that we're there to be you know, sort of objective you know clients say that they come to therapy to have an objective voice or to have somebody who's impartial and they also that ob- obscures the fact that there's still a person sitting in front of you who does have legitimate reactions um and i think maybe the most therapeutic uh when therapy has been the most therapeutic is when I can be honest about some of those things um, and share them with my clients, as opposed to holding this kind of robotic stance of impartial, objective, non-opinionated person. Um, It doesn't always work beautifully, but I think when it has, um, it's led to really impactful therapy that like I'm never going to forget. Kristen, you mentioned the idea of endings a little while ago in therapy, which in therapist language we call termination, which sounds <laughs> gross. I don't know. It sounds like it sounds overly violent in some way. Uh, anyways, the end of therapy. Um, I think it's a, it's an unusual thing because it's a, it's an acknowledged point for most people in therapy where we talk about we're going to end at this time, we're actually going to talk about the ending, we're going to talk about how we both feel about that ending. It's kind of a weird thing. We don't acknowledge endings of relationships often in the same way in other parts of our lives that we do in therapy. I love that we do it, though, because I think think of how often I hear clients talking about past relationships and whatnot, where um, one of the things that they're grappling with is like ambiguity or lack of closure or, you know, the whole ghosting thing. Um, and it it's nice to have a frame where we do that in such a planful way. Uh, and I think of how often uh, sometimes I'll 
I'll lean into what we do in therapy in my personal life and this like, no, this is going to matter. I need to, I need to name what I'm feeling about this transition and, you know, what this relationship has meant and what the time together has meant. And, um, it's one of my favorite parts of working with clients. I don't know about you all. What do you think? Well, as we've been acknowledging a bunch of times on the show today, there's like a dialectic in that, right? It is both one of my most favorite parts and also one of my least favorite parts. This year, this time of year, like end of semesters and things, um, they're kind of brutal. Like saying goodbye to everyone is really tough. <laughs> Kyle's got awesome kid interrupted. <laughs> Aww. I heard some cute little buys in there that were really, you know, <laughs> they were on theme. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I hear that dialectic too, though, Pat. Yeah, you know. I feel like this time of year, at least with the academic calendar, there tends to be times where there's more termination, there's more end of therapy than there typically is, right? Where just because of the natural kind of flow of life, people are wrapping up therapy. And I, I feel like I, I both celebrate all of those opportunities to say goodbye and celebrate their progress in therapy, but also it's really hard to say goodbye to people that I've come to care a lot about. And that's that creates this kind of heaviness right alongside the celebration of all that progress and growth and gratitude for the person that they are. Uh, it's hard to feel like that sense of closeness with somebody and then say goodbye so I'll, I'll admit that as a therapist that like that goodbye process for me is also not without grief too I know man sometimes after ending with a client that I've worked with for a while that I just had really good rapport with I like yeah. notice I'm a little bit low for a couple days after I'm like what is this I'm like oh I know I'm not going to see that person, mm-hmm. you know, like I, yep. I look forward to that time that I know that they typically show up on my calendar that first week after. And you're like, something was weird about this week. What was that? And it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, that person or those people I'm not going to see. And, um, I think that speaks to the heart that we bring to our therapy that we actually do invest in these people so that we can feel that loss and, like, how beautiful is it to be able to invest in so many people and to get to feel connected and also not burdened by continuation of relationships that do need to end. I think in our society, we hold relationships like they have to be forever all the time. And I think that makes relationships end badly a lot or, you know, makes people flake out or just kind of, you know, end without sincerity or move on to what they want to do next. And I think in in therapy, you know, it's about celebrating what's next for them and pushing them along. But mm-hmm. also, they know how to be in touch with you at UCS. They know how to reach out if they need us. And that mm-hmm. assurance helps helps me because I'm like, okay, if they want to be in contact again, they know how to get to me. Which is maybe part of the awkwardness of my current transition is like, I can tell them, you can find me in the community eventually versus like, mm-hmm. here's how to contact me now because I'm not mm-hmm. going to be continuing clinical work right away. So it's a different goodbye. And it's personally chosen this time versus like part of the transition of training. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll still be good and meaningful goodbyes and celebrate the relationships and feel the grief and um, wish everybody the best, you know? 
I think that's such a, uh, you're sort of talking about it on your end, Brittany. I think when clients can look at the end of therapy in that way, like it is therapeutic itself to end the therapy relationship and do so intentionally, do it on purpose, mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of accidentally stumbling into an ending, as Krista mentioned, like ghosting. When you choose to end a relationship in a healthy way, it's such a, it can be such a transformative thing uh, because, because of its rarity, because of its opportunity for growth and appreciation of another person, it can be really beautiful. Yeah. I appreciate the transparency of it too. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's easier for folks to re-enter a system if they have left it in a way that felt good. And it's also a core um, aspect of how I view therapy that I think clients continue doing the work after they leave us. You know, like we're all doing our work all the time. Sometimes we need some additional help with that and we see a therapist. Um, And sometimes, you know, we're going it with the tools that we have and those are sufficient. And so I often think when I'm ending with clients, you know, their work continues. I don't get to witness it in the way that I have during our time together. But I have a lot of faith that they're going to use the tools they have and that there are resources available to them if, you know, they need some support again in the future. I love getting follow-up emails, like, you know, a couple months later sometimes where people will just be like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm doing really well or this is what's going on with me or I've had this huge change in my life. And I, I love that they care enough about our relationship to just say, hey, I'm doing good, thank you. You know, or if they're not, be like, hey, can you help me find additional resources? And it's like, yeah, you know, we all need different ways to engage in therapy and different amounts at different times. You know, we're not going to like fix our whole life or heal whatever wounds we have in like, you know, three to eight weeks. (laughs) I think clients would be surprised sometimes to know how they live on for us. Um, You know, I love it when I hear updates. And also, I have a couple of clients who I worked with for some time where uh, I haven't, you know, maybe it's been a couple of years and I don't know, um, but they continue to live on in my mind where something will come up and, you know, it reminds me of them. And sure. um, I think with that whole therapists are people piece, like the end of therapy relationships, I view that process that we go through as also like it is a relationship. Part of that's for me, right? This person has mattered a lot to me. They've, Mm -hmm. I've seen them weekly. I have family members who I don't see weekly. We were a significant part of one another's lives for a period of time. And I'm going to think about them in the future and darn it. I want to be able to talk about like what we've meant to each other, what that time has meant. Yeah, I totally (laughs) agree. And I, I straight up miss my clients after their, you know, after we, after we wrap up and there's clients that I've worked with years ago that I still miss to this day. And, you know, I'm, I'm professional around it. I don't go looking them up or seeking them out or anything like that. But I just, I just allow myself to acknowledge like, man, that person was awesome. I miss them. Mm -hmm. I love when you get emails from clients and it's been a long time since you've seen them. And they're like, I don't know if you remember me, but you worked with me at this. Like, dude, of course I remember you. Like, yeah. like I remember yeah, you. I can you're... recite everything that we did. Right. Like, I still have a pretty good memory. And, like, I don't forget people just because I talk to a lot of people. <laughs> There's always that preface, though, at the beginning of those emails. 
Okay. I don't know if you remember who I am. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. It's so cute and just <laughs> sweet. You know, like I just, I think it says something about our vulnerability and insecurity, you know, as people. And like, mm -hmm. clearly yeah, we sure. have meant something to them that they're reaching out to us. And I think the fear of being rejected and not being remembered is so strong, probably, that just started out with, like, I hope you remember me. And if you don't, here's my name and all the ways you can look up my file so you can remember me, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah, and I think this is an important topic to talk about because, you know, I've, I, I guess I have heard people talk about it and I wonder how much it goes through people's minds. Like, does my counselor really like me? Like, do they just have to be nice to me? Like, or, you know, the things like that. And it's like, no, it's it's genuine. You know, I, I really, really honestly like the clients that I work with and genuinely care. And maybe something that I don't think I've ever said to a client that there have been times that I wish we would have met in a different way that I wish we would have, you know, like, yeah. man, we click, we really click like this person's awesome. I think we would be really good friends. Like we're we're not going to be able to be close friends outside of this. Um, but like, I think I really click with this person. And yeah, that's a real thing that like we're we're not just counselors we're also people and we feel the same like same connection if you're meeting with your counselor and you're like oh man i think we would be awesome friends outside of here <laughs> there's a chance that your therapist is also thinking like oh man i think we would have been awesome <laughs> friends if we would have met you know in a personal way outside of counseling first i think one of the things that comes with the the end of therapy but also i i guess i hope throughout therapy is an acknowledgement of that importance like this is the thing that you do that makes me feel close to you. Mm. But on the flip side too, like well, one reason that <laughs> this is sort of maybe more direct than I would say it, but maybe sometimes not, a thing that you do that makes it hard for me to feel close to you, or a thing that, that you do that makes it hard for me to like you even, like that feels kind of like wounding, but but it's honest. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, a, it's a way that you can help clients understand how the world might experience them. And then it means even more when I can tell you, no, I legitimately find this part of you really infectious, really enjoyable. I like this part of you. I'm going to miss this part of you um, when there's that kind of honesty that's established. So I tell clients, like, I'll let you know if you do something that, that irks me or that causes a reaction in me. So I can be honest with you when I'm telling you how much I'm going to miss you. Mm, beautifully said, Pat. It's been, as we're um, looking at the clock and realizing we're winding down our time, I I think the transitions are hard, but they offer so much potential for growth and, and change, you know, like as is like kind of obvious. Um, and I think there's something to be celebrated in the grief and celebrated in whatever does comes next. And I, I'm excited to have been able to share this podcast with you all and create these awesome relationships or deepen them with those of you who I've had a chance to work with more closely. I mean, two of you I had the same office space with and it was small, so we were always interacting. And then the other two, like I haven't I haven't had a chance to interact with you that much because of the distance between our locations of work. And without this podcast I wouldn't have been able to probably spend this time with you. And so I'm so grateful for that and this the transition into the podcast and the transition out of it for me that I got to deepen these relationships and now I get to go play in other spaces and uh, think about how to connect with you all on that stuff still. And as we transition from 2020, which has been one hell of a year, to <laughs> 2021, I 
hope for the best for all of us and a lot more peace and uh, stability and care and safety and hopefully lots of hugs soon. Yeah, well, as one of those two people who didn't get to work with you as much closely, I was so psyched when you said that you wanted to work on this podcast project um, because it got it meant that I would have a chance to get to work with you more closely. So it's been uh, such a pleasure uh, to get to do that. And we're really going to miss you. Um, so thanks so much for being part of this. Yeah, thank and you. And I hope our audience like recognizes that too. Aw, thanks, Pat. I... I have always wanted to do more work with you. I know we tried to get a couple different projects going and I'm glad that one of them took off. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, should we wrap today's up with like our, with a transition, like something that we're maybe leaving behind this year and something we're excited mm -hmm. about? Like, should we do oh, some kind thoughtful. of, yeah, thoughtful ending to the last podcast oh. of our year? I like that, Brittany. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I'm going to, like make space for sadness and loss and mm -hmm. disappointment and not feel like I have to cheer myself up too much. Like let, let myself feel it, make time for that. Um, and really honor it so that when I, when I do eventually like move on, it, I'll feel like it's really real and sincere. Like I don't ever want to try and chase my pain away or chase my grief away. And so, I'm just going to allow it to exist. And when I feel down, I'm going to let myself feel down. And when I feel happy, I'm going to let myself feel happy. And then that way I feel like I'm being true to myself at every point instead of like swimming against my own current. So that's kind of what I'm going to focus on. in the transition is really allow myself to feel the things that aren't awesome to feel. Um, because then I think mm -hmm. they won't, they probably won't last as long if I, if I just honor them. So there's been a lot of, me not being able to see my family who I'm really close to and I'm gonna hold a lot of hope for 2021 in this vaccine and really hope that I'll get to see see the people that I have not been able to see much at all since March you know that for Can me one it? of the things um, that I'm gonna I'm working on letting go is the pace at which I live I have a father who is very rush 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 it was always snap the fingers like go 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 and I hear that in my head all the time. And I hear that in um, how like different organizations function. And I am going to be letting go of this rapid pace at which I expect myself to operate and respond. And I'm going to work on creating more balance and space for me to live on the time my body needs me to work on. Sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm similar to that. I'm going to be letting go of the need to rush to the next thing. So meaning like, I'm always looking forward to the next time that I'm going to get a little bit of time off of work or the next weekend or the next holiday or whatever. Um, and not, and sort of that leads to me not valuing the time that is right now, even if it's unpleasant. So I, I, I'm just trying to welcome into my life a little bit more slowing down, even in the moments where I'm like, I wish this time would go a little bit faster. Because ultimately I know looking back at it, I wish it hadn't gone as fast, if that makes sense. So I'm trying to really kind of relish the moments, even the ones that I wish I could fast forward sometimes. This year has been a year. Um, I, I think one of the biggest changes that I've noticed is that I used to take my kids to go do things a lot that were like outside of the home. Mm. So, um, you know, nothing like 
terribly exciting. They're pretty little, but we go to a lot of different parks um, and like run an errand here, an errand there. I felt like I spent a lot of time putting kids in car seats. Um, and life now has definitely been slower. Um, I'm not a parent who's really good at like coming up with activities or crafts or whatever inside the house to do, but um, we have spent a ton of time outside in our own yard. And um, I think like, I don't know that I would have believed of myself in the past that I could spend this much time at home. I, I don't sit down a lot. And so um, I'm taking away that it's possible and even enjoyable to have mm -hmm. that um, time with our tiny little family unit while also really grieving that I, I miss my family and I miss the time together that we would have had. So many good responses and everyone's reflection. This has just been one, one year. Um, I think the thing that I'm wanting to leave behind, we've all talked about balance, is that there's like a perfect balance. And being okay with recognizing that there's an ebb and a flow to my balance and that some days are going to be more work heavy and some days are going to be more family heavy and neither is good or bad it just is and not judging myself but letting myself just sit kind of like what Kyle said letting myself sit with these feelings that whatever today is is and that's where I am right now with my own balance well thanks to everyone listening we appreciate you all I'm grateful to you hope that uh, the end of this year brings a lot of joy and uh, the transitions that are coming up uh, we'll see you next time on Therapists or People. Again, special thanks to Brittany Greenbaum, who has been an intrepid part of this team, creative, uh, demonstrating all the leadership. We really appreciate you, and we're going to miss you. We miss you guys, too. Thank you so much for this, and happy end of year, everybody. May 2021 be a better, more connected year. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah.